Are you ready? Now back to Heatwave Sports. Hey, Heatwave Sports. Tim Unglesby, Tom Barton, Lamont Cotton with you each and every Saturday and Sunday at 10 o'clock. Here we go with the programming note, except for next Saturday as the Vegas Golden Knights will be playing the Anaheim Ducks. So we take next Saturday night off, but we'll be back Sunday night for the first. We, we've done draft preview shows, guys, but this will be the first time we actually draft for these set teams. The Heat Wave Sports NFL mock draft will do the first round, and I know Radio personality Chris Wynn is listening right now. So Chris will, will join us next Sunday, Tom, for this big event as we actually get to be the GM and draft for said team in these spots. It's going to be a fun time next Sunday night. All right, Tim, you got to tell us what, what spots we're drafting. I, you know, I like to know nice and early and no different for me. I got to know what spot am I drafting. All right. We'll, we'll uh, put you guys... I had the suspense for an hour. We'll go ahead and get you guys know where you're going. So you have one week's time to figure this out. Here's the said rules. You must draft for the team in that position as of Sunday night. So if, there is a, if you think there's a trade in that spot, you draft the player that you think is going to be drafted in that spot, correct? If you just want to draft for the team that's scheduled for that spot, then you draft for the team at that spot. Is that... We all clear on that, so you can't actually commit the trade yourself. But if you feel that Atlanta, say, is not going to be in that four spot, you choose the player you think you're going to get in the four spot instead. So, is that uh, acceptable there? All right. Yeah, I'm in. It. I like it. First, and then we we'll draft fourth, and then we we'll draft seventh, etc. Will be Tom Barton. So, how do you feel about that, Tom? I'm on the clock. I'm ready to pick. Me, me and Jacksonville have been ready to pick since uh, the, the college football season has ended. But basically, Jacksonville's doing what I'm doing. Can we pick today? Can we start picking today? Is there any way we can pick today, Tim? We're going we're gonna, to uh, hold the suspense like the NFL does when you, you know for sure. You've been on the clock since week 10, actually. So, um, yeah, you'll, so you'll pick for Jacksonville. Then you'll have the four pick, the seven pick, the 10 pick, and so on. Drafting second, which is will be the New York Jets, will be Chris Wynn. So he'll draft two, five, eight, and so on. And then I will draft third, which right now is the bungling San Francisco 49ers. Tom, three, six, nine will be, et cetera, will be my. So we all know where we're going to be. And uh, let the research begin, right, gentlemen? Uh, I'll, I'll tell you what, Tim. You know what's really funny is that you said that Jacksonville's been on the clock forever. And you know they're going to take their entire allotted time <laughs> down to about five seconds to go before they put in their selection. It starts at, what, 5 o'clock? So 5.20, we'll be ready for the first pick on, on uh, draft night on the 20, 29th, I think it is. But Before we jump into the wide receiver situation in this draft, a very deep wide receiver draft, I, I just want to bring up, and, and this is the fun thing about about the draft, right, Tom? You said that everybody's excited for it, and the Jets have the number two pick, and we kind of know the direction they're going to go here. And, and even Chris Wynn, I'm sure, is going to make the selection that everybody thinks is going to be Zach Wilson come the uh, 29th. Let me let me ask you this, though. and You talk about Zach Wilson, and 
don't get me wrong, Tom. I like him. I just want to kind of play the devil's advocate to you. And I want you to support the decision to draft Zach Wilson here. And I'm going to just throw some uh, – I'll just throw the, the negatives your way and the, that I see, and a lot of other people may see too. Is Zach Wilson, Tom, you would know. You live in the area. Is Zach Wilson ready to handle Gotham City? Is he ready to handle the, the media in New York? I mean, this is a kid who's born and raised in the state of Utah. He played at BYU, Tom. It's nothing, there can be nothing further from New York than the state of Utah. You're right. And, and that's kind of a problem. Um, you know, you, you look back at what Wilson was, though, right? And he wanted to stay sharp. He wanted to, during COVID, he went and he, I know that they said he went to uh, meet his former coach, and he wanted to do extra, extra things. I like that he's a worker, but I worry that, you know what, maybe he's uh, going to try to revert back to that, right? Revert back to, okay, here we go. The pressure of being a New York Jets quarterback is not what it really should be, though. And, and let me explain that to everybody here. You come in as a New York Jets quarterback, and the expectations from Jet fans is, this is going to go bad. Because it's the Jets, right? I mean, that's just the way it is. Zach Wilson does not have to come in here and win a Super Bowl to be considered you know, the best Jets quarterback uh, since Joe Namath. He doesn't have to come in here and win an MVP in any respect or way. Zach Wilson has to come in here and be better than Sam Darnold, be better than Browning Nagel, be better than these guys. That's all he has to do. The bar is set low. Now, normally for a number two pick, we're giving you the franchise, all this. But it is the Jets. They're the second team in, the, in football with probably the lowest expectations in this city of any franchise ever. The Jets have no, absolutely no expectations this year. People know how bad the team is around him. And that, I think, is going to be how he handles this. So, you know, you can say he's going to be a long way from home. Maybe he played cupcake teams. Maybe, you know, things are going to turn around and, and you're going to look at Zach Wilson and you're going to go, a game's a little too fast for him. But what, what is the standard here? If Zach Wilson makes a Pro Bowl in the next three years, He's the best quarterback since Testaverde, right? I mean, think about that. Make a Pro Bowl. That's all we're asking you to do. And, and I don't even think he needs to do that, Tim. It, it's a matter of look good out there. The expectations for the New York Jets quarterback are as low as you could possibly imagine. So if somebody comes in and they're competent at the position, Jets fans will embrace him. New York will love him. Because he's competent, he's making the Jets relevant. It, 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 the expectations shouldn't be too high, even as a number two pick, because it's the Jets. And they said that. I'd, I'd like to get your thoughts on on Zach Wilson as far as what you see. Was it was it matter, Tommy? That what you see on film was it against uh, certain teams? Because you said it. BYU did load up on team. They. They've generally loaded up on teams throughout history when you look at quarterbacks. But their quarterbacks have been able to maintain, and there have been some big-time NFL stars that were BYU quarterbacks. Now, as a starting quarterback at BYU, Zach Wilson was just 2-4 and four against uh, AP top-ranked teams in his career, and his touchdowns-to-interception ratio in those six games, he had eight touchdowns, five picks. So 
you know, I wouldn't say they were, those are struggling numbers, but maybe not numbers you're looking for a second overall pick, or was it something you saw the abilities and, and what he could be able to do at the next level? Here's the thing that, that, I, that I like about him, okay? I think that he has uh, an innate ability that you can't teach. You kind of know the instincts, know that the pocket is collapsing, know that that, that wide receiver, he's due to make a great play. Know that that wide receiver is going to make that cut when he needs to make that cut. Um, he lets his receivers kind of go into traffic and snag it, and he trusts those guys. Oftentimes, it works. It works well. Now, look, he's a little bit of a gunslinger, a little bit. He's not Josh Allen or Brett Favre, um, but his teammates like that. And, again, that goes with almost the instinctiveness. Now, I also like that he's tough. Go watch this kid run. He will lower his head. He is elusive, and I know he tries to get away from guys, but he'll lower his head. He'll, he'll be tough. He is a leader, and he's a team leader. That's what I liked about him. He is a guy that it looks, it looks nice when he's out there, right? It looks fluid. It looks like he knows what he's doing. He's got it all working with him. When I was on the field watching Josh Rosen, remember when we were at UNLV, and I was on the field watching Josh Rosen, and, and I called in that night, we talked about it, and I said, um, man, he, he's, he's got just pure ability. This guy might be the crispest ability that, that I've ever seen in warm-ups. And we talked about after the game, and this was UNLV, and I said, he just doesn't look right. He looks like he's got happy feet. He doesn't look settled. He doesn't look calm in the pocket. This is the exact opposite in Zach Wilson. Now, the Jets' offensive line might make him get happy feet, but he looks like everything's under control. He knows what he's doing. Um, he does have an injury history. Okay, which includes shoulders. That's a problem. Okay, he's not the prototypical quarterback. That's a problem. But you know, Tim, neither is this the prototypical quarterback team, right? This is a team that we know the pocket's going to collapse. We know that things are going to break down. We know they don't have tremendous weapons. We know what he's going into if he is chosen by the Jets. And I think they need a little bit of something like that. I think they need a little pizzazz. I'm not telling you it's going to be a, you know, a match made in heaven here because anything that the Jets do, they can ruin. I will tell you this. If Zach Wilson was going number three to the San Francisco 49ers, I would be telling you that I think Zach Wilson could win a, a Super Bowl trophy and potentially be in an MVP conversation. The fact he's going to the New York Jets, I just know what this organization does to players. Forget about just quarterbacks. Can he handle the New York nightlife or – is it something he can stay away of? Let's put it, stay away from. Let's put it that way. He's gonna have to stay away because we have Cuomo locking the city down, right? So, I, when is that going to be lifted? Um, so, I, I mean, I'm half joking, but I'm kind of not. Uh, that I don't know. I don't know if the nightlife is going to ever return the way that we think it will. I'm not sure, Tim. I think that that's more of a, an indictment of the city itself than on Zach Wilson. You, you are in a position now where people are a lot more conscious. Everyone's got cell phones. They're a lot more conscious. This isn't the, the 85 Bears, right, where guys are rolling, uh, going straight from the club and straight to, to practice, throwing up on the practice field and stuff. It, it's a different environment. Everyone's got cell phones. Everyone's doing things differently. You know what? He's going to be embraced. He's going to get a lot of endorsements. Maybe he's going to be the rich guy that just throws the parties in his own apartment, right? I mean, you can have a well, penthouse, we'll say. You can have that. I don't worry too much about the nightlife when a guy like Zach Wilson is brought up. 
You give me a guy like, uh, you know, uh, hey, Johnny Manziel, oh, it's a different story. But Zach Wilson, I'm not worried about the nightlife. So if we, and I'm not comparing to what they did in their first NFL year, but if Zach Wilson was in last year's draft class, just to say, was your, say he was uh, where he was last year, this year. So Burrow to uh, Herbert, where would, have Jet, would, would Zach have been for? Or was he, do you put him, where do you rank him? Uh, let's just say, where do you rank him in comparison to the last quarterbacks that were taken? Uh, well, Tua was coming off of an injury. So I, I think that there's a chance he would have been right there, but Tua's resume was a lot better. Um, uh, Herbert came out with some question marks. I think he would have been right there with him. Nobody was going over Burrow after that ridiculous season. I think teams probably would have picked him. I, I, I think he might have gone second there. I think he might have gone second, but it wouldn't be shocking if he fell to four. But I think it's going to be like this year's draft. You know, look, what number did Herbert get picked last year? You know, it was, I know it was Burrow to a Herbert. Even if he got picked fourth, he was still going top ten. So I, I, I think that the Wilson thing kind of, uh, you know, is getting thrown off because everyone's not sure even if he's the second-best quarterback in this year's draft. Uh, last year's draft, we now remember Justin Herbert. Oh, my goodness, he was so amazing. And before the year, oh, he was going. There was a lot of negativity on Justin Herbert last year. And that's why the Chargers were able to get him. Uh, there was a lot of negativity surrounding Tua. I remember having guys on uh, from Miami, writers on from Miami, that were saying, ah, you know what, well, even after the pick, we don't know, he's got an injury history. So it wasn't all just gleaming and beautiful. Even Joe Burrow, even Joe Burrow, which we all knew was going number one, had question marks. People said a lot of the same thing they're saying about Wilson, right? Well, you know what, the guy's only done it for one year. He only really had one great year. Well, it was the best year in history of college football, uh, in Joe Burrow's case. I think Wilson would have been picked. I'm I'm going to stick with he he would have been picked over Herbert and over Tua. Yeah, Tua was five. Herbert was six last year in the draft. So, essentially, Miami or LA would have taken Zach Wilson. Is what you're saying? I think so. I I, I think you would have chosen. I think ultimately you would have chosen Zach Wilson over the injury history of Tua. Okay. What if T. Lawrence was available? Where, where, the, where do those picks fall at that point? Is, is T. Lawrence in a Bengal uniform? Trevor Lawrence would have been chosen number one in every single NFL draft uh, since Andrew Luck. Every single draft since Andrew Luck. And you can make an argument, and I know guys have. In my opinion, the greatest quarterback, as far as hype goes, not how I, I've looked at it, even though I'm with a lot of them, the greatest quarterbacks uh, of all time coming out of college the biggest hype, the surefire number ones were John Elway, Peyton Manning, and Andrew Luck. Now Trevor Lawrence is there. I've spoken to draft analysts that said if Andrew Luck coming out of college and Trevor Lawrence coming out of college were exactly the same, people would have taken Trevor Lawrence. I've talked to people that said people would have taken Lawrence over Peyton Manning. And yeah, I've spoken to people that said they would take Trevor Lawrence over John Elway. That's how ridiculously good Trevor Lawrence is supposed to be at this next level. And you know what, Tim? I've been telling you that for two years. Two years I've been on this Lawrence bandwagon where I think he is absolutely everything that every NFL scout wants. And here's how this is, this is just going further. Look, 
Besides his legs and the new game and the stature, he's got the size, he's got the speed, he's got the arm strength. There's not, he's got everything. And then he's got the intangibles. Here's how you know you're making the right pick. This week, he had his first controversial problem because Sports Illustrated spoke to him. And in the article, basically, uh, people started questioning his love for football because the kid turned around and said, you know, I love football. It's great. But, you know, there is, there is life besides football. That quote was blown up because you know what? You have no other dirt on this kid. You have nothing else to do. So I, I think he is, <laughs> there is no perfect player, right? I think he's the most perfect prospect that I've ever scouted. Um, I told you about Luke Keekley. I thought he was the best. I thought Luke Keekley was the best player that I've seen. I thought Russell Wilson, I, I talked to you after I watched him live uh, and, and I was gushing over him. I, I saw Trevor Lawrence, and I just, I've been fixated for two years, man. I think he is the greatest prospect. He would go number one in every single draft, probably including the Andrew Luck draft. You also called it on air about Quentin Nelson as well, so I'll give you credit for that. The, so the situation with Jacksonville gaining steam here is that Urban Meyer is talking to Alex Smith, Tom, about coming in and backing up Trevor Lawrence. I mean, it's gaining significant steam right now. And that's great. That's what they should do. Bring in a guy like that. Uh, Alex Smith only makes a, a, a clubhouse better, right? I mean, Alex Smith is so well-respected. I'm not a big Urban Meyer fan, but, man, he's pushing all the right buttons. Friend Chris Wynn says that if Zach Wilson can beat Chad Pennington, the Jet fans should be happy. And when you look at what happened after Pennington, Tommy, you had – the Brett Favre fiasco for a year, Mark Sanchez for three seasons, Geno Smith, how about that, two seasons, Fitzmagic, two seasons, Josh McCown, and then Sam Darnold. In the postseason, the Jets have not won a playoff game, obviously, in over a decade. Mark Sanchez, the last guy to take them to the playoffs where he was 4-2, and two. and even Chad Pennington was under five hundred as a Jet quarterback in the playoffs. So, yeah, you know, I think Sam got three years to try it out, Tommy. And, and again, we, we've said it wasn't his fault necessarily all altogether. He's moved on. So it's not like Zach Wilson has these huge shoes to fill, right, Tom? He, he's, like you just said, the, the opportunity's there for him because that's a little bit of less pressure in that he's not replacing, say, Andrew Luck at this point. New York Jets fans still hold Jay Fiedler and Chad Pennington as as – probably, what, maybe the second and third or the third and fourth best quarterbacks in the franchise history. You know, everyone will go Namath one. Uh, a lot of people are going to go Testaverde or Ken O'Brien at two. Then you got guys like Pennington and Jay Fiedler. It's a short list. You know, look, I like Pennington. I like Jay Fiedler. I like them both. You don't need much success to leapfrog those guys. Testaverde was nice, but he was only here for a very short time in New York. He's not that difficult to overcome. Ken O'Brien... Uh, you know, Ken O'Brien was, was a longevity guy, but didn't have a lot of personal success. If Zach Wilson goes out there and has a year, forget about Herbert, forget about Burrow, okay? If Zach Wilson goes out there and has a year similar to, I'm going to throw somebody out at you, uh, uh, similar to, um, we'll, we'll say, Mitch Trubinsky in his first year, guess what? New York would be psyched. New York would be very happy with what they see in him. And that's the thing. That, that is where the bar is. It's not go out there and be Patrick Mahomes. That, that's not, no one's expecting that. 
Nobody uh, in their right mind in New York is expecting that. They're expecting this kid to fail. He doesn't have to be great. Just be better than what they've seen. And what they've seen has not been very good. And we'll, we'll look at the, the quarterbacks. So, obviously, I'm not, we're not going to talk again before the draft, Tom. So the quarterbacks have been the, the talk of this draft for months. We know Lawrence. We know Wilson. Fields is the guy that bounces up and down. Lance is a guy that's been bouncing up and down. Mac Jones has bounced up. Kind of play it out for me before we take our time out. Who do you see in order? Maybe not the teams, Tom, but in order of where they're getting drafted. Is it Fields third? Is it Lance third? Is it Mac Jones third? I, I, I think, look, we got Lawrence, Wilson, one, two, that's set. I think Trey Lance is the guy at three. And I think Trey Lance is the guy at three because of this. Because I actually respect Kyle Shanahan. And I don't believe that Kyle Shanahan is going to move up in the draft. And I respect uh, John Lynch. I don't think that they're going to move up in the draft to go get Mac Jones. I know everyone's looking at field, okay? Uh, but I think that the ceiling is higher. And San Francisco is one of those few teams we could move up and get a generational talent that doesn't have to start right away. And read between the lines where they said, Garoppolo is giving us the best chance to win. Garoppolo this, Garoppolo that. Garoppolo's still on this team, right? So why not go out there, sit down Trey Lance until Garoppolo gets hurt, or you give him a year? I think Lance is going to be the guy. And once that happens, I think Atlanta moves out of four because Fields is going to people are going to start running up to field. And then I think it's very possible that Detroit trades seven, and we're going to see Mac Jones. I still believe that we see five quarterbacks taken in the first nine picks of the draft because it's not getting past Denver. And I also believe, Tim, that it's very possible we see a sixth quarterback taken in the back end of the first round. Probably this kid Mills from Stanford. But it could be Kyle Trask as well. Okay. I think we are in agreement that Atlanta probably moves out of that pick regardless, right? If it's Even if it's Josh Fields to San Francisco, people are going to want Lance. Unless they fall completely in love with Pitt, or a lot of the rumors that I had heard a couple of weeks ago, and they've died down, is that Matt Ryan might be on the move on draft day, right? Matt Ryan might be uh, getting out of town. And you might see a situation where maybe Belichick comes in and grabs a Matt Ryan just as one of those, oh, wow, kind of moments. I don't think that happens, but it's not out of the realm of possibility. They're also a team that maybe they don't move out and they get Trey Lance and they say, you know what, you have to sit down a year. What I will say this is, is Tim, this is the year of the quarterback, whether it be good or bad, because if they're bad, we're all going to remember it as the bad quarterbacks. But there's a possibility that we could have seven or eight quarterbacks taken in the first two rounds. I'm saying there's at least seven. Seven quarterbacks is unprecedented in the first two rounds. That's Tom Barton, Tim Unglesby, Heatwave Sports. After the timeout, we're going to look at the receivers available in this NFL draft and where they might possibly land. Everybody in agreement Jamar Chase will probably be the first receiver picked off the board. Will he make a reunion of sorts with his guy Joe Burrow in Cincinnati? We'll see what Tom thinks about that in or after the break. It's Heatwave Sports here on a Sunday night, Fox Sports Radio, Las Vegas. I can't believe you asked that. I really can't believe it. Let me see here. 
Kentucky Wildcats, number four in the country. I'm hearing four first-round draft choices, and you're asking me how that got away from me? They're, they're, they're the big blue. You ought to know that. I'm not mad at you. Now back to Heat Wave Sports. Here's Tim Unglesby and Tom Barton. All right, we're going to look at the top wide receiver prospects for the NFL draft Thursday the 29th of April coming up and see where we think these guys will, will slot themselves as there's some, some deep deep draft pool here with some talent right at the top and don't forget next Sunday night the Heatwave Sports NFL mock draft first round we know Tom will draft for Jacksonville Chris will draft for the Jets, and I will draft for the 49ers, and then we'll continue on in that that order. Uh, Tommy, the number one consensus wide receiver at the top of the uh, draft board for for wideouts, LSU, Jamar Chase. Does he join his buddy Joe Burrow in Cincinnati? You know, that's all I keep hearing, Tim. And I brought Jamar Chase's name up to Tony Paulina on the Sports Garden Network show. Uh, a couple of months ago, and you know, I said, is there a chance that Jamar Chase goes number one at the wide receiver position? And he said, I still think you have to go Smith. And he said, and I think maybe even Waddle is going to be above him. Now it's it's pretty much set in stone that Jamar Chase is going to go there. Uh, I can tell you, Jamar Chase isn't falling outside the top seven because if they don't get him the Bengals, uh, he's going to the Lions. I still think that, and I wrote this to you guys a little while ago, I still think that Penny Sewell is having a Nelson, Quentin Nelson kind of run here. I believe in any other year, Penny Sewell might be the number one overall pick. People just forgot about him. And now, obviously, he's not going over Trevor Lawrence. I'm saying in any other year. Uh, Penny Sewell should go to the Bengals. He's a perfect fit. You have a quarterback that needs a, a tackle. But the Bengals feel like, yeah, our offensive line wasn't bad last year. We kind of improved it a little bit over the offseason. Every sign is saying that Joe Burrow is pushing organization very, very hard for Jamar Chase. I think Joe gets what he wants there, and I think that Jamar Chase does go to the Bengals. I'm not sure he's the best wide receiver here, Tim. I'm not convinced that he's the best wide receiver, but he may have the best career because he's going to be playing with Joe Burrow, who is a very good quarterback. I know that. Other than Burrow, OC, Brian Callahan likes Chase a lot too, Tommy, and Yes, they have T. Higgins, and yes, they have Tyler Boyd, but they all believe that Chase would be an upgrade over Tate as that slotted in, in the third. I'm not saying he's the third receiver, but you know what I mean. When you're looking at the weapons that Burrow's going to have there, they feel he's an upgrade over anybody else other than Boyd and Higgins at this point. Yeah, you know, what's going to be interesting is if Pitts is there, how do you justify not going and get a position that you need? They don't need wide receiver. Let's be perfectly clear. You know, we know uh, that, that Boyd and Higgins are, are great. I mean, they don't need a wide receiver. They don't need offense right now. Okay? They really should be trading back, but they're not going to do it. Sewell, Pitt, Chase, this could be one of those haunting decisions that you make, or it could make you look like an absolute genius. Just, there's a chance that Penny Sewell is a uh, perennial all-pro uh, just dominating offensive linemen, and there's a chance that Kyle Pitts reinvents the tight end position. You might just go get a wide receiver. And here's the thing that I say about wide receivers. I know everybody always thinks I hate on wide receivers. You know why? Because I do hate on wide receivers. Has there ever been an NFL team in history, Tim, 
That's a wide receiver away from winning a championship? No. Wide receivers are easily replaceable. Look at the, the teams that have had the most success. Go back. Find them. They go find receivers. It's not hard. You, in, in just this year's free agent class, Penny Galladay was available. Just this year's free agent class. Uh, Godwin, I know he resigned, but Godwin was available. Guys, you could find receivers. I think the receiver position being taken at that spot over a dominant left tackle uh, it would be ridiculous. Next up, Tommy, and closely next up, I, when you really look at how these guys are drafted as far as overall, you, I see Devonta Smith and Chase very close in a lot of rankings. So the Heisman winner, and we know what he did last year, right, Tom? 117 grabs, 1,800 yards, 23 touchdowns. It's an unbelievable season for the senior out of Alabama. Where do you see him going? Is, is he Detroit-bound? Is he Could he be in a Dolphins uniform? Does he slide further down out of the top 10? I assume he's a top 10 pick. I don't know if he is. I really don't know if he is. The way that I have it playing out in my head is that I think that the Bengals take Chase, right? which would leave, you know, the Dolphins with a chance to maybe grab Pitts. You then have a Penny Sewell coming up there. I think he gets, I think he plays in the NFC East, Tim. Can I say that? I think he's either going to Philly or the Giants. And he may very well, um, may very well be the third guy taken instead of the second guy taken. He very well might be the third guy taken, uh, meaning that Waddle could potentially be taken instead of Smith. So Smith, I think he's playing in the NFC East because I think he goes to either the Giants or Philly. So Waddle would be the the next, like you just said, again. And, you know, when you look at what he can do from a pro perspective, one of those two go in the NFC East. I assume the Chargers sitting at 13 grab the other one. That That's just how in my mind I have the draft go. I did. I don't have the Chargers grabbing a, a wide receiver there. Oh, okay. We're gonna have a little uh, a little difference here. Okay. Uh, look, the Lions are gonna need a wide receiver. The Giants. I I think that they should go Micah Parsons. Okay. Um, I believe that they probably are leaning that way, but they might. And and I think Philly takes a receiver. Do the Chargers take one to thirteen? I don't think so, Tim. So one of these receivers could fall, and you could be looking at a spot where. Miami at 18 has another chance to take one, and the Bears at 20 are sitting there. I don't think Waddle or Smith gets past Miami at 18, but you could start to see some of these receivers fall because outside of that, I, I don't think the Chargers are looking for a receiver. I know you want to load up uh, Herbert. Uh, to me, the Chargers almost have to go get an offensive lineman. Yeah, I have, I have also, that was my next question was, is it offensive tackles really where they need somebody? But my thought process on it, too, was if you see Cincinnati go out and do something like that, and we know you have Keenan Allen there, but Williams is hurt all the time. They really don't have a big-time second guy. Maybe that was where I'm looking that, you know, you have the new coach, the new coordinator. Maybe you want to keep Herbert happy as well. That's That was my thought process on that one. Well, Tim, not to continue to plug my stuff, but you have to listen to Wagering Week this week because I do have a Forbes NFL writer on talking about the Chargers selection, and um, he's not the first guy, but basically I'm being told that if Slater is there, Rashawn Slater is there, there's no way he's getting past the Chargers. 
But you'll, you you want to hear that. Again, it's Wagering Week, guys. It's the podcast. You guys can go check that out. Um, listen to that interview because it is an interesting uh, take about the Chargers where it, he's in, in line with me. I think they have to go offensive line. Some of the other receivers in the next group, Tommy. So you have Tier 1, I would say, Chase, Smith, Waddle. Tier 2, uh, what about a Rashad Bateman, Elijah Moore, Terrence Marshall, which would be Chase's uh, cohort there at LSU as well. Those seem to be the next three guys that everybody's looking at. And now you're really dropping yourself into middle first round and first round. Yeah, look, uh, Bateman and Moore, Rondell Moore, you, you, I think Elijah Moore falls into to round two. I think Terrace Marshall falls into round two. Uh, I even think Tony might fall into round two. So you're looking at Rondell Moore uh, and, and you're looking at Bateman. Again, I think Miami, depending on what they do early, they might have to take a running back at 18, maybe. Do they take a wide receiver at 18? It's possible. I'm looking at the Bears, and I want them to get an offensive lineman. I have them targeted for an offensive lineman. I've also said, you know what? If a cornerback falls, go get a corner here. But I just continue to see Bateman going to the Bears. I, I'm not happy with it, Tim, but I can certainly see that happening. After that, this is where it gets interesting, where you do have an option for the New York Jets to go get Wilson, an immediate wide receiver. I think they have to. So there's a chance that you could have the receiver run late in this draft, where an 18 Miami's looking at a receiver, 20, the Bears are looking at a receiver, 23, the Jets are looking at a receiver. And you can have that kind of run here, and then all of a sudden, uh, you know, the, the late teams, Tampa, KC, Buffalo, Green Bay, New Orleans, none of them really need a, a wide receiver, even though everybody in Green Bay is going to scream if they don't take one. Do you see, and, and granted, you're, you're right, that's where the depth of this draft comes in at the wide receiver position, so we might as well discuss the depth at the offensive line position as well. There's a lot of big, big guys that can join this team. And you talked about a Rashawn Slater, the offensive lineman out of Northwestern. If he's there at 13 for the Chargers to take him, but do you see if Carolina doesn't get so well that they just take Slater at eight? They need offensive line help badly as well. Uh, yeah, you know, uh, uh, I've, I've noticed this a few times. I keep mock drafting with Carolina and you know, I continue to keep going over what, what Carolina needs and what, what are they going to go get and where are they and, and all of that. Carolina doesn't have the needs that we all think. They have their running back position set. Their wide receivers are pretty set. Uh, their quarterback at, at right now is pretty set. They're looking at offensive line or defensive line. If they don't get Sewell, yeah, I think Slater has to go to them. I, to me, this is a Carolina is walking out of there with one of these guys. Even Darasau is pretty good, Tim. I've heard a lot of people like Vera Tucker, who's pretty good. I'm a guy that I'm looking at this and I'm saying, you know, it's going to be a very deep quarterback draft, obviously. Lots of wide receivers, lots of cornerbacks. The offensive lineman, it's not very deep, but it's real big at the top. Even Alex Leatherwood is, is a big-time guy. So you have these guys up top. I had the Bears getting Tevin Jenkins. For, for most of, I would say, I would say up until about two weeks ago. And now the more I deep digging I go, I go, you know what? Bears are probably looking at a, a corner or, or a right receiver a lot more. And that's the, the word that I'm getting. Carolina is getting one of these, one of these guys. I think Sewell is, I think Sewell is massively better than Slater. But man, people really do like Slater. And you mentioned Christian Derrissaw out of VTech. 
it, obviously, if it's not Slater at 13, you, based on that belief, the Chargers would take Derisaw at, at 13, right? He's the next best offensive lineman. I think that Sewell and Slater are in group one. Darisau, Tucker, Jenkins, and Leatherwood all make up group two. So there's a chance that the Chargers say, you know what? Maybe they do go in a different direction here, Tim, if they miss out on the big two because they feel like, oh, we, we, we could take a shot at one of these other guys later on in the draft. I had in my original mock draft, Tom, five offensive linemen being drafted in round one. That has been shaved down to four now. What do you got? I have Sewell and Slater for sure. I have Darisau, Tucker, Jenkins. I got five, and, and I might go six. I might go, go Leatherwood. Because you know what? You got to look late in the draft. I think the Chiefs have to. I mean, Tim, Chiefs are taking one, right? At 31. They're taking an offensive line because they don't have any. So I think that that gives you that extra pick. Is, is Kevin Jenkins going to be there? Is Vera Tucker going to be there? Or is Leatherwood going to be their only choice? They're almost going to have to make that choice. You're, you're sitting there at five. I understand you're five, but I think the Chiefs have to take somebody. So he might be the sixth. I actually have Tevin Jenkins wearing a Bears uniform right now, Tommy. So think about that. Just He's a mean, nasty guy, and I mean that in the best way, right? He is going to bring an attitude there. He enjoys beating people up. He enjoys being that nasty brawler out there. That's what the Bears are sorely missing on that offensive line. And those are the, you know, we can talk all about the Trevor Lawrence's and the Josh Fields, Zach Wilson's. Ultimately, the ugly guy picks are the ones that help. You know, you know, at the end of the day, it's the guys you never talk about. But it's those teams drafting low that continue to to build their rosters up. The teams that draft well, Tampa, Kansas City, Buffalo, Pittsburgh, Baltimore, they all sit at the bottom generally, and they just continue to, to build in those ugly positions, Tommy. Well, I, I told you, I, I spoke to NFL executives, and this was years ago. Um, this was probably before I met you, Tim, and, and I spoke to NFL executives, and we were doing a draft show, and basically I was just saying, hey, you know, in, in, a, in a bubble, what are you drafting? You know, how do you build your roster? How do you build your roster? Just about every single one of them told me, quarterback first, Left tackle second, somebody that could get to the pass, pass rusher third, cornerback fourth, back to a guard fifth. I, I, nobody said wide receiver, Tim. Nobody said safety, Tim. Nobody said running back. They build it with the offensive line. Outside of quarterback, they go all, all offensive line. How can you get to the quarterback? How can you stop them from getting to the quarterback? I mean, that's the way that these teams are built. It's the way that NFL executives build these rosters. So, yeah, while we're going to have fun talking about wide receivers and let's talk about NTN or Harris because they're not fantasy league, that matters. What really matters is, you know what? If you take Penny Sewell and Slater's the guy, that, that could be the difference between having a tremendous season where you're, you're fighting for a Super Bowl year in and year out. Or it could be the meaning of, oh, you know what? He just wasn't too good. Look at, look at what happened with Cam Robinson down in Jacksonville. Cam Robinson was just re-signed to a contract. Um, Cam Robinson is a guy that graded out in the bottom half of the league. But Urban Meyer thought, you know what? He's, he's so talented, and we have to have that protection for our quarterback, who's going to be Trevor Lawrence. We, we have to keep him. 
Let's look at the secondaries. So cornerback position, you have Sertain and Farley, basically the one-two, those top two guys. Is Patrick Sertain, I know we talked about it, but there's been a lot of innuendo in the media that Jerry Jones is looking elsewhere, but shouldn't Patrick Sertain have the big star on his helmet this year? Isn't that the perfect fit? Perfect fit, but don't discount J.C. Horn, who's getting a lot of momentum, and I've heard him attached to Dallas as well. If I was picking Dallas, and I don't, I don't know if I do or not. I think I actually do. Sertain's going. You know, look, Sertain's the guy. He's, he, he, you're right. He's the perfect fit. He's the guy that should go there. Sertain makes a lot of sense. But J.C. Horn's getting a lot of momentum. People like him quite a bit. They like him better than Farley at this point. And you look and you go, that's three guys that are cornerback kind of changing position type of, of players. And this is a deep cornerback draft, which is, uh, you know, to say we're, we're hoping that they work out. Farley's a guy that they, people had him above him. What about Asante Samuel Jr. from Florida State? He is being projected as a late first, maybe early second. I watched this kid. You want to talk about good stock? By the way, Sertain, father played in the NFL. Samuel, father played in the NFL. Horn, father played in the NFL, right? Santi Samuel might be the best of the bunch here. And I think very highly of Sertain. I have current mock draft, right, Tom? We know these could possibly change, probably will change. I have uh, Sertain to Dallas. And then I have the guy you just spoke of, J.C. Horn, Actually, in Arizona, they need somebody to replace Patrick Peterson, and you're right, he skyrocketed up a lot of of mock drafts and depth, or draft charts. Those are, for me, one, two, and then I have Farley further down in the first round. It's not a pass rusher, okay? I think Indy could use a corner as well, and obviously the Bears are there. If the Bears get a guy like Asante Samuel, that's a great pick. You also have to start to look at Jacksonville at 25 because the Jacksonville Jaguars hold a lot of this draft on what their philosophy is going to be. Do they take the Buffalo Bills approach where Buffalo one year concentrated strictly on the offensive line, spent all their resources, everything. Then the next year they went strictly defense. And then the third year they said we're strictly uh, skill position players. Or do they try to mix it up? Well, we got Lawrence, one. I kind of like our offense. Now we have to go defense because the defense is so bad. I think the Jacksonville Jaguars at 25 is really going to throw off the rest of the draft depending on which direction they decide to go in. Well, the big boys in the middle, Tommy. Micah Parsons, linebacker, Penn State. You have Cora Moha out of Notre Dame. Jameen Davis. A lot, of, a lot of experts have him going later in the first round. What about the linebacker position? It, it, to me, it's Micah Parsons and everybody else. Uh, Micah Parsons should be a top-five pick, but he's got some off-the-field problems. Um, Penn State staff, and I just had Joe DeLeon on my podcast. I'll do it once again, wagering week this week. Lots of good stuff. Uh, I just had him on asking about Micah Parsons, and he, he was talking about the Giants. He's a writer for Big Blue View. And he said, you know what? Some of the coaching staff for the Giants are former coaches of Micah Parsons. So that's a connection. I think Parsons is the only linebacker that should go in the first round here. Everybody else is good. I mean, Nick Bolton is somebody I like a lot. But it's, it, you can get guys. Dylan Moses is probably the fifth or sixth linebacker going off the board. If you land Dylan Moses or Nick Bolton in the third round, maybe the late second round, 
you're doing cartwheels on draft day. So I think it's a deep linebacker draft. But to me, it's Micah Parsons, everybody else. Same with the D-line. Is that situation where you see one or two in the first round, the rest you can get some value with in rounds two, three, four? This is maybe the weakest D-line draft that I've seen in a long time. Um, I don't expect any defensive lineman to go in the top 10 picks. I, I may not see one go in the top 20 picks. Barrymore seems like the guy uh, that everyone's kind of looking at. He doesn't have a lot of resume. Remember, he's only a sophomore this year, right? Peyton Turner's pretty decent. Shelvin's okay. Tim, if there was an over-under, and I don't know if there is, but if there was an, an over-under uh, set of how many defensive linemen go in the first round, you might have to set this at one, okay? Because I, Barrymore will go. But after that, I don't know if many guys are going. I think it's a weak defensive line draft. Uh, same with tight ends, Tommy. Obviously, you have Pitts, but then there's Freermuth. I know DeLeon has something to say about the Penn State tight end. Brevin Jordan, Miami, he's got Las Vegas ties, went to Bishop Gorman. Hunter Long, both you and I like him out of BC. Tommy Tremble, those are the top guys, but I think tight end-wise, those, those are second, third, fourth-round guys, fifth-round guys. Yeah, yeah there's an over-under problem. Uh, Over-under one-and-a-half tight ends, and if you take the over, you're plus 160, Tim. Don't take the over, right? I just, uh, I think that it's a one tight end kind of situation. Sometimes late you go, oh yeah, you know what? Maybe Kansas City or Tampa can take a shot. Tampa's loaded with tight ends. Kansas City, you know, they got Kelsey. He's going to be there for a while. He's overpaid. Uh, none, of, none of them are going in the first round. These guys are second, and you might even stay third round picks. And what about the the fun thing we get to do, Tommy? Is the draft props? Or will you be dangle, uh, dangling in this, and will you release draft prop plays over at Tom Barton Sports? I mean, there's some some good value on some of these, I think. Yeah, absolutely. I, I'm already in on uh, quite a few. I'm having a little fun with it this year, but I do like some serious ways to make money. I, I told my clients a couple of uh, about a week and a half ago, I got a, a great price at over five quarterbacks. In, I rode that. I put max bet on that one, man. I absolutely love it because there's at least five being drafted. I think there could be six, and I think there could be seven drafted in the first 40 picks. I mean, I'm real high on that. I kind of like the over for running backs. Um, I like the under for tight ends in the first round. I like that. So I'll be making some picks. And I, what I really like, if you guys have never live bet during the draft, that is really exciting. How about this one, Tom? Josh Field, this is through... Looks like William Hill. Josh Fields, draft position, so under three and a half. So you'd be one, two, three is plus 120. Oh, you got like that. Yeah. I mean, I'm hearing a lot of, a lot, just, just for the strict, uh, just for the strict news. I, I don't know. I might stay away from that one. You want, you want to know my best over-under play? Mills had a... I mean, 140 and a half. Tim, I think he might be a first rounder. Wow. Okay. 140 and a half. That's from Circus Sports. Let's book it. Let's book it now. Kyle Tress, 64 and a half. He might, he might be, be a first, first rounder. rounder. You might want to look at William Hill then. Kyle Trask, 77 and a half draft position. Book me. I'm going to send you $1,000 tonight. Throw it down. Mac Jones, see, see here's, a, and they're slanted the other way. So Lance, we like Lance. 
If you like him in the first six picks, it's minus 150. If you like Mac Jones in the first nine picks, it's minus 300. So obviously you can see where some of the some of them go the other way. But uh, this one, we'll do this one to end it. How about we talked last night about the running backs. Etienne was the one that we, we both thought would be right there with Harris. So Harris is 28 and a half. Etienne is 34 and a half. And it's right around 115 either way. Oh, that, 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 that. I'd rather take the over/under of more than one. Uh, uh, it, it's a half. The prop is a half. Will one running back be taken in the first round? I, I, I like that more than the draft position itself. Yeah, I think one of them for sure goes. Yeah, that's how I'm feeling. I'm, I'm, I'm already on that one. That's a Steeler pick right there in the first round of running back. The Steelers almost have to go do it. All right, Tom, Chris, you have. One week's time to study up for our mock draft next Sunday night. I'm looking forward to this. We'll be obviously pubbing it all week over on the social media, so we want everybody listening. It's going to be fun times. But, Tommy, you got a busy week going for you, TomBartonSports.com. A lot of baseball and even hockey, man. Killing it in hockey, my friend. Absolutely. Another win today in hockey. Absolutely crushing it. Make sure you guys listen uh, to Sports Garden Network. This week's Wagering Week podcast will be Levon Kirkland. You guys remember him, the, the Clemson Hall of Famer, Tony Bowling draft expert, and Dave Sharapin. Everybody knows Dave uh, out there in Las Vegas. So big show this week as well. And you guys go check it out. It's Wagering Week on the podcast over at Sports Garden. I just had Dave Parker on. We talked about the Chargers. I told you with Joe DeLeon and Jay Paris uh, with the Giants. Tommy, you and the Jacksonville Jaguars are officially on the clock. I, I got to start off with this. Have a great week, man. Uh, We'll talk to you Sunday night. Have a good one, guys. Thank you. Tommy Barton, TomBartonSports.com. It's under $100. You get four weeks of service. Under $100 every play. No upgrades. No extra plays. Every play Tom Barton Sports releases for under $100. If you mention Heat Wave Sports, they'll give you a fifth week absolutely free as well. TomBartonSports.com. For Tommy, for Damon, we're looking forward to next Sunday night's show. We'll talk to you then. It's Heat Wave Sports. It's only on Fox Sports Radio, Las Vegas. That's 98.9 FM, 1340 AM. Have a good night. Hello. 